the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Because you should never accept at face value anything I say or any pastor or televangelist or any author of any book says. You should examine the scriptures to see if what anybody is saying to you is actually true. You have a brain and you have the ability to read the Bible and to examine the scriptures carefully to make sure that you're not being deceived or duped by people who just because they have a title or they have a television program don't accept everything. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Acts. Part of loving God is loving Him with our minds. This means we are to engage intellectually with Jesus and meditate on His Word. In today's message, Pastor Gary admonishes us to take responsibility for our faith by reading the Bible for ourselves, just as the Bereans did in the book of Acts. We should never blindly follow another pastor or teacher without comparing what is being taught in the Bible. Failure to know what the Word of God says is very dangerous because false teaching ensnares and leads us back into the darkness. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for today's message from the book of Acts, chapter 17. talking about the second missionary journey of Paul's. It starts at Antioch in Syria. He is going to travel throughout uh, Asia Minor, which on the map is Turkey in today's terms. And he's going to end up going over to Macedonia, which is Greece. And uh, then he'll end up uh, sailing back to, to um, Caesarea. And that'll be the completion of his second missionary journey. Uh, the year's roughly 50 to 53 A.D., as Paul travels around the known world at this time, he is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many who come to faith. There are some who don't. Uh, but wherever people come to faith, there are churches that begin to be planted uh, throughout the known world. And so there's great fruit happening here uh, in, in Paul's life and through his ministry. Uh, but it is not without cost. Because in chapter 16, it tells us, that he's in the region of Mycia, uh, there in Asia Minor, and uh, he has a vision in chapter 16 uh, from the Lord. And he sees this man in this vision, and this man is from Macedonia, 
And the man says to Paul in this vision, come over to us. And it, it speaks in chapter 16 about how Paul attempted to go north to the region of Bithynia, but he said the Spirit of Jesus kept us from going there, that there was a specific purpose. You know, it's not that God doesn't want us to go into all corners of the world. He does, but God is also very specific in the way that he targets and, and the way that he plans and, and the things that he wants us to do. And, and so as Paul is being obedient to the voice of the Lord, this vision that he has, he ends up here on the map in, in this region that I have in the circle there of Macedonia, which is today in, in Greece. We're talking Greece. He starts out there in uh, Neapolis, and then he ends up going to Philippi, which is where he encounters some pretty strong persecution. That's what I mean by it is not without its, its trials and difficulties, because as he's on his way sharing the gospel, it's not received by everybody. And some of the people in large part who were opposed to his ministry and the gospel are Jews who do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so there seems to be a group of Jews who are kind of following him wherever he goes, trying to discredit him, trying to malign him, and even worse, persecuting him, beating him, even at one point in Lystra, leaving him for dead, thinking that they had killed him. That's how much they are offended by what Paul is preaching here, the good news of the gospel. Look, friends, whenever you preach the good news of Jesus, you're either going to get revival or riot. Very few people are going to be neutral on the subject of Jesus. People will either move towards a response in a positive way or they're going to get angry with you. They're just going to get flat out mad. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years, by the way. And we see this happening in our own world. People will either positively respond to Jesus or there's going to be this negative pushback. Some people are just offended by Jesus. And they're offended that you as a Christian could possibly believe that there's one way to be saved. And so there's going to be this kind of admixture of responses, some positively, some negatively. This is what Paul encounters. Now, fortunately for us, in the comfort of Western culture, so far, so good. Religion is protected under the First Amendment, the freedom of religion, the freedom to worship, the freedom to gather. Uh, maybe, maybe it won't always be that way, but so far, we don't experience here in the comfort of our country the kind of persecution that is in other places around the world and the kind of persecution that Paul faced. Because when he gets to Philippi, his objectors end up persecuting him so much that he's thrown in prison there in Philippi. And he is beaten. He and Silas, his traveling companion, they are beaten. They are beaten without reason. They are beaten uh, without limitation. And they're thrown in prison. And then in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord, there's this earthquake that happens. And, and the Lord opens up the, uh, the prison gates, the prison doors of all the prisoners in the jail there in Philippi. And Paul and Silas come out. The Philippian jailer knows and believes that this is a truly a, mir a miracle from God. The, the jailer and his family get saved. And then the next day, the, the Roman authorities come and they say to Paul and Silas, it's okay, you're free to go. And Paul's like, we're not going until you apologize for imprisoning us under, under false pretenses. And so they get their apology and off they go. But they had to endure horrific beatings and imprisonment all because they just wanted to share the good news of Christ. We have it easy, friends. I don't know for how long, but relatively speaking, we have it easy. So count your blessings in that regard, and I think it should motivate us even more so to present the good news of the gospel, because we don't have the fear of being persecuted. Sometimes I wonder if we are less eager to share the gospel because there's really no consequences if we do or don't. Sometimes, perhaps, maybe when we're pushed beyond our comfort zone, that's when we get more serious about, about sharing the good news. 
And so here Paul is, he's, he, he shared, and then after he was set free from, from prison there by, by the hand of the Lord, uh, then it says at the end of chapter 16, I'll just read the last verse, verse 40, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, she was a convert that they led to the Lord in Philippi, where they met with the brothers, other Christians, and encouraged them, and then they left, they left Philippi. So where we're going to see him going now in the next chapter, smaller little circle, hard to see, but it is the city of Thessalonica, chapter 17, verse 1. It says, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Okay, so that means there's a presence of Jews there in Thessalonica. And as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue... And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned, circle that word, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Christ is just a a Greek word, Christos, that means Messiah. Mashiach in the Hebrew, we get our English word Messiah. We get Christ from the Greek Christos, just means the anointed one. He's talking about how Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament that pointed to the Savior, the Messiah, the Deliverer. So he shares from Scripture, proving that Jesus is the Christ, and explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded. And joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, those are the Gentiles, and not a few prominent women. So several prominent, very affluent women, influential, uh, there in Thessalonica, along with a large number of Gentiles, Greeks, and some Jews were persuaded. So So many come to faith here in Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica today is still a beautiful city in Greece. It is the second largest city in Greece. It is pronounced Thessaloniki uh, by the Greeks, and it is uh, right on the Aegean Sea. And it uh, today boasts a population of a little more than a million people, including the the major center of Thessaloniki and the the, um, surrounding suburbs. The city was founded in 315 B.C., by the king Cassander of Macedon, and um, he named it after his wife Thessalonike, a half-sister of Alexander the Great. And so it is here that uh, Paul then, notice, uh, I asked you to circle or or note the word, reasoned with them from the scriptures there in verse 2. He reasoned with them, and just so we understand the word here, the word is found four times between these two chapters, 17 and 18. I just want to highlight them with you. I gave you the references up there, but let me just point it out to you. He reasoned with them from the scriptures there in Thessalonica. When you jump down to verse 17, he is in Athens, and it says in verse 17, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. If you jump over to chapter 18, verse 4, now he's in Corinth, and it says in verse 4, every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And then one last time in verse 19 of chapter 18, he's in Ephesus now, 
And in verse 19, it says, They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So this is a constant word that is used to describe uh, Paul's effectiveness in communicating with them. The Greek word in the original language of the New Testament is dialegomei, and it means to say thoroughly or to converse. It's where we get our English word dialogue from this word. So he's, he's dialoguing with them. He is reasoning with them. He is persuading them. He's discussing with them the things about the Lord and reasoning from the Scriptures. Now, he goes here to Thessalonica, and he's able to reason from the Scriptures because he goes first to a Jewish synagogue. And the Jewish synagogues will understand their Scriptures, and so he's able to use the Scriptures to persuade them to understand how the Scriptures spoke of Christ. But you're going to notice in a little bit when he gets to Athens, there is no Jewish synagogue, and he doesn't reason from the Scriptures. He reasons with them, but not from the Scriptures. And it's a very important way that we need to understand the art of effectively communicating, uh, uh, never denying the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because we just can't be, you know, eloquent. We can't just be clever in our words. We have to obviously be guided and helped by the Holy Spirit. But there's a different approach as to how he communicates with the Jews versus how he communicates with the Gentiles. And we need to learn that because we need to understand that there's a practical way to communicate the gospel most effectively. Here in Thessalonica, he reasons from the scriptures and uh, many people get saved. But here comes his opposition, verse 5, but the Jews were jealous. This speaks about the Jews who don't believe in Jesus. They were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So apparently, Jason, whoever Jason is here, they're staying at Jason's house. I didn't write it down. Those of you who have a King James Bible, uh, it talks about in verse uh, 6, where NIV says, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. King James says something to the effect of, uh, these men have turned the world upside down. And, and just a beautiful reflection about the way that the gospel can transform people. And just, they just turn the world upside down with the truth here. But, but the, the people who are opposed to them are trying to find them out. They just want to kill them. And so they go to Jason's house. Are these guys at your house? And Jason's like, they're not here. Well, they got to beat up somebody. You know I mean? If, if you're all in a, in a fury and you can't find the people you want to beat up, we're going to just beat you up, Jason. So they drag him out of his house. They beat him up. They beat a, a few of the other brothers up. They're, they're just uh, uh, trying to, once again, uh, come against Christianity. And notice the accusation is, it says that they are defying, verse 7, they are all defying Caesar's decrees and saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Please make note, first two centuries, historians estimate six million Christians were killed in the first two centuries alone because they refused to acknowledge Caesar as king. They only acknowledged Jesus as king. 
And for that, six million Christians lost their lives in the first two centuries of the church history. And persecution is still happening around the world. It's, again, just that we're a bit isolated from it. The latest statistics that have been published, Fox News just ran a report two weeks ago that talked about how 2015 was the worst year for Christians being persecuted since statistics have been kept. About 7,000 Christians were killed in 2015 for their faith alone. The worst nation offender for killing Christians, North Korea. The top 10, besides North Korea being number one, the other nine out of the top 10 are Muslim countries. Iran, Afghanistan, Iraq. The persecution of Christians still exists. It's just that we're isolated so much we don't really see all the fallout from the persecution. And that list of the top 10 countries, and I'll give it to you because I actually wrote it down in this order. Number one, North Korea, Iraq, Eritrea, Afghanistan, Syria, Pakistan, Somalia, Sudan, Libya, Iran and Libya. That's the top 10. North Korea, number one, nine other Muslim nations persecuting Christians. And that's just in terms of national crises. That isn't even recording the effect of ISIS and Boko Haram around the world killing Christians. So we're still seeing it. It's just that, again, we're pretty isolated from it, so we don't necessarily understand how widespread it is. But it is. And in the first two centuries, uh, six million Christians were killed because they refused to acknowledge Caesar as king. Only Jesus is king. So notice what happens here. In verse 8, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let him go. So they're free, okay, after all of this. But I like verse 10. Now we're, now we're going to move to Berea, about 50 miles from Thessalonica. Paul's letters in your Bibles, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, were letters that he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. So when you read your Bibles, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he's writing to those in the, early, the churches that he, had, that he planted there in Thessalonica. So fruit comes from his ministry there in Thessalonica, but on they go. And I like verse 10 because it says, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now, let me tell you why I like that verse. Because sometimes we over-spiritualize stuff. You know, well, if, if, God, if God is in this, we'll just trust Him. We'll just stay here in Thessalonica. And, you know, they might come again and beat us up. But it's okay. We're going to trust them. No, run! In the middle of the night. Just go. We don't need to over-spiritualize stuff, all right? If your life is in danger, get out of there. And so they get out of there. And they go at night. Sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So here, here's again a Jewish synagogue. Representation of Jews are present there in Berea. And I love verse, verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now you ought to underline that verse in your Bibles, and I'll tell you the reason why. Because you should never accept at face value anything I say or any pastor or televangelist or any author of any book says. You should examine the scriptures to see if what anybody is saying to you is actually true. 
You have a brain and you have the ability to read the Bible and to examine the scriptures carefully to make sure that you're not being deceived or duped by people who just because they have a title or they have a television program don't accept everything. Just because they wrote a book, they're a published author. It must be true. Not necessarily. So be careful. The Bereans are commended here because they didn't take what Paul said just at face value. They searched the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. So Paul's making these claims about how Jesus is the Christ, how he's the fulfillment of their Jewish Old Testament scriptures, and the Bereans are examining their own scrolls, and they're like, well, let me make sure this is true. We're not just going to take what you say, Paul. Just because you walk in here with a fancy title and everything, we're not going to just accept what you say. We're going to study the Bible for ourselves. Study the Bible for yourselves. I hope that by coming here Wednesday night, And God bless you, you're more spiritual than the weekend people. But I'm telling you, if you think that just by coming here Wednesday nights or coming in on the weekends and you just hear the information, you need to be getting into the Bible yourselves, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, examining the scriptures enough that you can tell what is truth from what is not completely true. And let me tell you something. It is so easy to hear heresy just one degree off. And it bothers me. I'll sometimes watch televangelists, not because I'm particularly impressed by most of them, but just because I, I, I want to hear, how are they, what are they saying? What's going out there? Because sometimes, if it's horrible enough, I might need to weave in something in one of my teachings to try to un- undo some of the damage that some of these folks are doing. It's tragic. People just making up stuff. Just saying things that aren't even true. So... The Bereans are commended in Scripture as of more noble character, it says, than the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians just heard what Paul said. Okay, we accept it. The Bereans are like, we're not just going to accept this. Excuse you, Paul. Excuse us, but we're going to read the Bible for ourselves. And that's what they do, and they get commended for that in the Scriptures. So be a good student of God's Word and be able to understand what is being taught to you so that you can recognize whether it is spot on or whether it's a degree or more off, and know the difference. Examine scriptures every day. Now, verse 12 says, Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So again, the church is growing here. People are believing, both Jews and Gentiles, men and women. Verse 13 says, When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too. So they made the 50-mile journey like, Hey, we want to have a more Bible study. This is great. They went there too, except their motives were not right. We're talking about the Jews who were not believers. Agitating the crowds and stirring them up. And the brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. I guess they they were more mad at Paul. So the brothers... You know, they put Paul in the witness protection program. They're like, we're going we're gonna to send you off here. And so, verse 15, the men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So they, they scurry Paul out of town. We're going to take you down to Athens. And so off to Athens he goes. So it's the next point on our map. We're going down into southern Greece now to the city of Athens. That's what the next section is about. Let me just read a little bit of this section here and then we'll come back and and take a look at it. Verse 16 says that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, waiting for Silas and Timothy, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews 
and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with them. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. The book of Acts is so full of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the newly formed church. Though Jesus has left the earth for an unknown time, he didn't leave his followers alone. He gave them the same gift offered to us even now, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus' sacrifice of love as our only hope for salvation, we automatically receive the Holy Spirit to help us as we grow in faith. Today, you too can have the Holy Spirit. We'd love to talk more with you about this. So please feel free to give us a call at 703-771-1500. If you already know Jesus, we'd still love to hear from you and be able to encourage and pray for you. Our number again is 703-771-1500. Are you in the Leesburg area? If so, come join us for our weekly services at Cornerstone Chapel. We meet each week on Sundays at 8.30, at 11.45 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Come get to know us better. Meet Pastor Gary, study the Bible, and spend time worshiping God for all he's done. Directions to Cornerstone Chapel can be found on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Join us next time to learn more about the early church in the book of Acts, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Mercy is waiting for you With every sunrise Hope is an open ocean Jump in and you'll find The cornerstones Your connection Run towards your new Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.